This is the EPFR Exchange Podcast. All opinions expressed by Cam, Todd, and our podcast guests are solely of their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of EPFR or Informa, its parent company. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the EPFR Exchange Podcast. My name is Kirsten Longbottom, and we are joined by EPFR's resident economist, Cameron Brandt. We'll walk you through what our teams were monitoring last week in the data EPFR tracks, as well as what we'll look for in the upcoming weeks. Cam, good morning. Good morning. Uh, There's a little snow on the ground up here, so I guess winter must be flexing its muscles at last. Yes, I'm I'm excited to get back up north and and see the snow. Uh, We definitely don't have any down in Texas here. (laughs) So this week, investors juggled with the thought of the latest COVID-19 variant, Omicron, and inflation, of course, uh, while preparing for the new year. What is the overall picture? Are investors moving cautiously or confidently? Cautiously, I think, describes the sort of flows that we saw last week. Um, you know, from where I sit, I think investors were kind of trying to decide was 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 you know the Omicron variant is that the Grinch that stole Christmas and the GD boost that usually comes with it, at least on the consumption side, uh, or is it an angel of disinflation that's uh, that's actually going to moderate growth just enough to allow uh, the the Federal Reserve to get back to its more relaxed timetable for tightening policy. I think, uh, you know, I think people were sort of leaning towards the slightly more optimistic scenario. But of course, uh, you know, the latest U.S. inflation numbers uh, once again make the case for pulling the punch (laughs) bowl away, the monetary punch bowl. So, Um, My guess is that sort of uh, we'll see sort of a more inflation-oriented sort of uh, pattern to flows when we we, we chat again next week. And I think inflation seems to be a big issue on both sides of the Atlantic. What are we seeing in the euro area? We're seeing surprisingly high inflation that I think is more tied to structure in that uh, Europe is a much more regulated uh, economy. It is harder there for the private sector frequently to respond uh, to supply and demand issues. Uh, For instance, energy bills in the UK are currently capped with the the result that something, I think over a dozen small natural gas suppliers have gone broke because of the cap. Uh, you know, in the in the U.S., I, it's not surprising inflation is going up. Demand is robust, and 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 the supply metrics continue to be uh, less than ideal. Um, but we still have a bit more of a market economy, so it it will uh, adjust. Uh, interestingly, even though U.S. inflation is the higher of the two, and 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 just came in at close to a forty-year high for. November, uh, there seems to be more faith that um, uh, the U.S. will be able to do what's needed uh, or markets will be able to do what's needed um, here uh, and that U.S. companies still have a reasonable amount of pricing power, many of them, to offset the rising prices, even though that in the short run can feed into the dynamic. So we've uh, we've seen a lot of uh, 
certainly relatively a lot of interest in U.S. fund groups. Uh, I mean, both U.S. equity and U.S. bond funds had pretty solid inflows uh, this past week. Uh, you know, there was another $16 billion into U.S. market funds. Whereas Europe, uh, once again, the tide seems to be, uh, tide of sentiment is clearly turning against uh, the region, uh, you know, their, the ability to cope and adjust to inflation uh, is much more questionable there. Uh, and investors, I think, fear that the, the upshot will be yet more government policies to restrict the market, which uh, just kind of puts a lid on the problem until it gets really bad. So as you mentioned, flows into all asset classes dedicated to the U.S. are doing quite well. But the week-to-week numbers have been a little bit shaky because of the dividend payment. Can you expand on that? Yes, that's a good a good point to raise, which is at this time of year, and this really only applies to U.S. equity funds a little bit to global equity as well. This is the time of year predominantly when uh, the large equity funds um, collect the dividends that have been paid out by the stocks in, that they hold uh, and and allocate them to uh, shareholders, so people who have shares in the fund. Um, you know that's a liability. So the money you know is is a payment out. You know part of the their NAV over the year is dividend payments. So that at least technically is converted to some form of cash and and sent to people who are invested in those funds. Um, So that's an outflow and usually a big, fairly eye-catching number. What generally happens is that most people either automatically or or on a discretionary basis tell tell the funds just reinvest those dividends. Um, You know, I think on average about 80% of the dividends go right back into the fund. Uh, But if, if if the payments head out towards the end of a reporting period, you can get a large outflow which is not is driven by that rather than fundamentals. And then what you tend to get the following week is all of that reinvested money appears as an inflow, uh, and you get a similarly somewhat exaggerated swing. So it's definitely something to you know watch for in the numbers. Uh, when, when I'm analyzing U.S. equity flows now, I I pay a lot more attention to you know whether uh, if flows have moved in one direction, you know how many funds have driven that uh, you know and if it's just one or two of the big ones I'm likely to say you know this is a less credible number it may just be the ex-dividend process playing out. So moving on from Europe and the US um, China equity funds seem to be controlling the overall headline number for emerging markets equity funds and this week they dragged it down significantly were there any other countries that helped, not hindered the flows? There were. It was, uh, you know, relatively speaking, a, a decent week for Brazil equity funds uh, and Turkey equity funds continue to surprise. Uh, I say surprise, but that's not really true. I mean, some analysis that you actually did sort of showing which uh, country fund groups have performed well and which haven't year to date. Um 
sort of showed that um, the underperformers, well, Turkey's one of them, or Turkey equity funds are one of them, but the, the, there was a fairly high concentration of them in the Latin America universe. Uh, and this is a time of year when uh, investors do sort of poke around and say, you know, relatively speaking, is there any value? You know, where are the pockets of value? Um, and uh, if you believe that the uh, the uh, Omicron variant is going to be, you know, more benign, <laughs> if that's the right word, than the Delta variant, uh, then you can certainly argue that um, the demand for uh, Latin American commodity exports will not be as dented as badly as some people feared a few weeks back and that you're likely to see a slightly sort of uh, better return. Okay. Do the significant outflows for China equity funds relate in any way to the Bank of China cutting the reserve requirement ratio by half a percentage point? The way I look at that is that uh, those outflows are sort of part of the symptoms that the Bank of China is responding to. Uh, the, they are obviously sort of part of the team there that is trying to manage uh, you know, a significant shift in the way the real estate and property markets operate. Um, if it's not managed well, there's some potentially fairly rough uh, impacts on, on growth and people's uh, sense of wealth in China. Um, so if that if that is the case, and I obviously I think it is, then I suspect we're likely to see inflows into China equity funds uh, in the coming week as investors say, oh, yeah, you know, uh, there's only so far China's willing to sort of let this correction go before they take some policy action, you know, time to jump in and ride this next little uh, updraft. So last point, with the new year only three weeks away, what are potential key themes investors or fund managers are interested in when making their decisions on investments, especially for 2022? In addition to sort of the technical question of funds going ex-dividend, um, you know, this is also a time of year when um, there's a lot of uh, housekeeping, uh, which the more cynical might say drifts into window dressing. So we quite often see uh, a surge in demand for uh, ETFs dedicated to the better performing markets, uh, you know, as sort of institutional managers um, position themselves so that even if they've missed out on most of those gains, they can write sentences like, uh, we built up our position in the U.S., uh, which over the course of the year delivered multiple record highs for key indexes and that slightly downplay the fact that they didn't climb on the boat till the final month of the year. But um, so it t flows tend to be fairly choppy. They tend to be fairly tactical. I think that's going to be especially true this year because the overarching theme has been that there hasn't really been an overarching theme. There have been a couple of dominant ones, uh, inflation and, and the COVID pandemic. Um, but there have been a number of others that have sort of dipped in and out uh, for differing uh, periods. Uh, 
the squeeze on energy supplies, some of the geopolitical saber rattling this year has finally gotten through to a market that, you know, financial markets that have gotten very good at tuning it out, um, you know, and there are a number of other other things uh, in the works, the uh, the sunsetting of policy support, um, the would, wouldn't they kind of um, progress of uh, efforts by the new U.S. administration to greatly boost uh, spending. So um, it's uh, it's been been a year where <laughs> there have been no shortage of, of significant issues to chew on, um, but not a year where one of them has completely claimed center stage. So I'm I'm expecting a, a fairly, in flow terms anyway, a fairly choppy tactical end of the year. I think this key theme um, discussion could take its own podcast <laughs> entire episode <laughs> yes i think you, i think you and i will dive in in our last podcast of the year and sort of take a more uh you know retrospective look and try and at least speculate uh, how those might sort of translate going into the new year sounds like a plan good all right good well enjoy your weekend uh and we will talk again you as well <laughs> bye bye-bye Thanks for listening to the EPFR Exchange podcast. For more information or to suggest a topic for a future podcast, please visit epfr.com slash podcast.